You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. of everything that we can give you, Jesus. All our praise, all our worship, Jesus. Every breath that we breathe, Jesus, we exhale your presence. Hallelujah, Lord. God, we ask right now, Lord, that you would just let your will be done in this place. Speak to us, God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, you're worthy. Hallelujah. Amen. Pastor and Sister Carter, they are in Zealand. Uh, preaching a conference there. They're celebrating 100 years of their church being in Zealand, and so they've asked the Carters to come and, and do their services for them. They'll be back with us tonight. I asked him if he wanted me to warn you that he'll be back or just tell you that he'll be back. <laughs> Amen. But he's going to be back tonight for our service. He'll be preaching. Amen. We're looking forward to that just as we uh, transition this service here today, I just want to speak to you out of 2 Kings chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, it's going to be up on the screen. And this, uh, this portion of Scripture that we're going to be focusing on here this morning talks about miracles. And they are the work of God's constant intervention in our lives. And the one that I want us to focus in on today from the Word of God is recorded here, 2 Kings chapter 5. It's a story about a man named Naaman. He's not a believer in God, and he doesn't live in the Holy Land. In fact, when it comes to spiritual things, he's on the outside looking in. So let's turn to his story and begin. It says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Turn to your neighbor and say, he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And so things got a little bit muddled here. It wasn't exactly how it was told him. That got told to the king. And now the king of Israel is feeling all of this pressure on him. And as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. He thought it was a trap. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. 
So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him to say, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman, he went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord as God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfa? The rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would not you have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down, dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Amen. And so if you'll allow me here for a few moments this morning, I'm going to preach you on this topic, preparing for your miracle. If you can set your Bibles down right now and just begin to lift up your hands to God, ask God to have his way in this place. God, we are so thankful for everything that you've already done in this place. We've come, Lord, to worship and praise you. God, you are who we're after here right now. We pray right now that you would speak to each and every person that's in this place. God, you want so badly just to be able to Get this message into their hearts. Lord, even if it's just for the one, Lord, you know who that one is, Jesus, that needs to hear your word here today. I ask right now, let your will be done in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Naaman, he is a desperate man seeking answers to an incurable problem. He has leprosy, as we read from the story. It's a disease that affects the skin, and the nervous system begins attacking it. A person with this disease didn't have much of a future. In fact, death was inevitable. A leper finds himself alienated, ostracized from the rest of society, an outcast. All the while, his body aches from a process of deterioration that causes the loss of limbs and appendages. Naaman needs a miracle. He's got a problem, a big problem, an issue that can't be resolved. And that's the first thing you need to know about miracles. All of God's miracles have one thing in common. You know what that is? They all start with a problem. Now, how many of you here this morning have a problem? Maybe you're, you're sitting right next to it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not looking for any witnesses here this morning. But truth be told, we all do. This world hands out problems like it's Oprah Winfrey. You get a problem, and you get a problem. Everyone gets a problem. In fact, if you all look underneath your seat right now. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> this world hands out problems. And in fact, if you, all, if you all realize here this morning from this story, Naaman had a big problem. All the miracles that you read about in the Bible have this one thing in common. They all start with a need, with a problem. And that's the starting point of God's action. Naaman, he wakes up one morning, and he realizes that if he doesn't get help with his disease, it's all over. He's going to lose his career. He's going to lose his family, his fortune, his possession, his life. He'll forever live in isolation. So he has to do something about it. And the first thing that Naaman did was this. He admitted it. He realized. And Naaman was willing to look at things for what they were, not what he wished they were. He was willing to bring the problem into light. And so step one was that he admitted the problem. 
Naaman, he couldn't deny what he was going through. He couldn't escape it. It changed how he looked and how he functioned every day. Everybody noticed Naaman's problem. But he heard that there was a prophet in Samaria that could cure him. So realizing his predicament, he resolves to do something about it. That's the second step in the process of preparing to receive a miracle. And by the way, there's only 50 of these, so just hold on here this morning. No, I'm joking. And step two, be willing to do something about it. You see, Naaman, he was not only willing to admit his problem, but he was willing to do some radical things to get the problem fixed. So I'm going to walk you through some of the steps that Naaman took here this morning. The first thing that he did was he took advice from a woman. Any woman here today knows how much of a miracle that is just to get your husband to listen my goodness and you know what it wasn't even his wife Naaman's wife had a little Jewish girl as a servant that knew some things about God and as funny as it sounds this is an enormous step for a man to take in the ancient world But as you know, the Bible breaks the mold of any cultural norms of the day. And out of desperation, Naaman, he grabs onto the word that he has heard about a cure, and he runs with it. From there, he starts moving up the chain of command to secure permission to leave the country and visit this prophet of God named Elisha. He talks to his boss, the commander-in-chief, that brings it to the king. And when the king receives his request, he jumps at the chance to have Naaman healed. And he writes a letter to the king of Israel to advocate for Naaman. He was willing to take his problem to the highest authority in the land. He pulls out all the stops. He doesn't waste any time. There was no delay. You know, some people are great at diagnosing problems, but that's about as far as it goes. They're capable of identifying them, defining them, analyzing them, talking about them, but it doesn't go any further than that. Great in diagnosis, short in prescription. And I would suggest that we could all take a a page out of Naaman's book here, some cues from his story. He was so willing to do something about his problem that he campaigned all the way up to the chain of command that he needed until he gained a hearing with the king. He made his case to the king, and king of Aram made an appeal to the king of Israel. The king of Israel misunderstood it, as we read, but nevertheless allowed Naaman to enter the country. All of these events, they represent the extraordinary steps that Naaman was willing to take to resolve his leprosy. He was willing to do everything within his power, within his ability to pursue help, including sacrifice. And that's step three, be willing to sacrifice. Naaman's willingness to sacrifice, it further established the groundwork for this miracle. He gathered up his belongings, gold, silver, ten sets of clothes, and a whole entourage of people. And he set out on a journey with hopes of receiving a miracle. He spared no expense. Naaman was willing to give everything in his possession to see an answer to the problem. He was willing to pay any price, give any gift, make any sacrifice. Nothing would he hold back. He puts it all in the line in the hopes of receiving his miracle. And so should we. If you want to see miracles happen in your life, we need to be willing to sacrifice. Nothing happens except by way of sacrifice. So often the Lord uses what's in our hand. Now, hear what I'm saying. Some of you are going to walk away today and say, yep, the Lord helps those who help themselves. That's the point of this sermon. No, it's not. 
The point is this, God helps those who are willing to sacrifice. That's the way he does things, not our way. If it were up to us, we would have our cake and eat it too. But God looks for willingness to give. It's not even about the giving, it's the willingness behind it. He doesn't want or need our gifts. What he's looking for is a willing vessel. Just read the story about Abraham's son. Hear his testimony. Miracles usually involve some degree of sacrifice, and that's why we ask you to come to the altar to pray at the end of the service, to respond to the preached word of God. It's not just about receiving what the Lord has for us. It's taking the sacrifice of our pride to get to this place of humility before God so he can work on us. Let me give you another example. You remember the story of the loaves and fish? The Lord is teaching a multitude of people. It's late in the afternoon. They're all hungry. And along comes a little boy with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, give me your lunch, kid. No, that's not what happened, is it? Right? The little boy willingly gave up his lunch. He didn't do it begrudgingly. He didn't do it with any hesitation. He gave his lunch to the Savior. I know it doesn't look like a lot in the presence of this problem, but use it, Lord. You can use what I have. Now, did Jesus need the five loaves and fish in order to make this miracle happen? No, he could have called down manna from heaven and created a huge buffet line. But Jesus didn't do it that way. He took what little bit that boy had to offer and he multiplied it. God typically uses what's already in our possession in order to bring about the change that he's wanting. We just have to be willing to give it to him. The key word is sacrifice. Naaman was willing to sacrifice. Are we willing to do the same? Now, as many of you know, sacrifices come in many ways. Naaman here was put to the ultimate test. Little did he know at the time, receiving his miracle would require a different kind of sacrifice. He has gone through all of this effort to get to the prophet Elisha. All of this planning, all of this effort in order to just get to him. He finally enters the country that the prophet is in. He goes to where he is with all of his offerings. And you know what? Elisha doesn't even come out to meet the man. Elisha sends a messenger to him who gave him detailed instructions about what to do to be healed. And that's a whole other sermon in and of itself. What do you do when the answer to your problem comes about in a different way than what you expected? Here is what the words of Elisha were through his messenger. Elisha said, you need to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times, and then you'll be cured, and, you'll fle- and your flesh will be restored. Seven times. And the Bible says that Naaman got angry. He was upset. Why did he get angry? The answer didn't come about how he imagined it, that it should. He didn't get the answer that he was looking for. He, he didn't get what he wanted. And so he got angry. He wanted Elisha to come out and meet him, pray with him, wave his hand over him, and he would be cured. And that's exactly how this man thought that it would come about. I imagine that if God were going to heal me, this is exactly how it would happen. I imagine if God were to step into my situation and change things, this is how it would happen. If I can just get to Elisha, His prayers reaching heaven on my behalf will heal me. This is his thoughts. 
But instead, Elisha doesn't even come out to greet him. He sends a message to him through a messenger. Why do we get so up in arms when the answer we are looking for comes to us through God's messenger instead of directly through God? Besides not even directly seeing and hearing Elisha for himself, this prophet asked him to do something that required humility. He asked him to do something that didn't even make any sense. How, how is this going to heal me? He asked Naaman, a wealthy and prominent man, to go bathe in the Jordan not only once, but seven times. You need to know something about the Jordan River. It is not the cleanest body of water. It's the drain basin for the hills of Judea. It's murky. It's muddy. Naaman was angry because he couldn't see how a dirty river could cleanse him from an incurable disease. How do you get into a dirty river and come out clean? Anybody want to testify about that one? So he got mad and walked off in a huff, and the Bible says that Naaman was enraged over the whole thing. And he headed back home. He got so upset, he took all of his stuff that he was, that he was bringing with him, and he went back home. You see, not only was God trying to deal with Naaman's physical disease, he was also dealing with his spiritual disease. Naaman was a very proud man that needed to learn some lessons in humility. God was calling him to make a sacrifice far greater than anything monetary that Naaman could offer. In fact, Naaman didn't even get a chance to give his offering to the prophet. He showed up willingly with his caravan of treasures, and God sends the answer to his problem that all the Lord wanted was for Naaman to be willing to do what the Word of God says. That's all you've got to do. Just do what the Word of God says. Dipping in Jordan was actually an act of humility. The remedy for pride is humility. And that's what God was calling him to do. So he goes back home in this fit of rage. And his servants come out to greet him, and they notice, of course, he's not changed. And they say, what happened? How, how did it go? What did Elisha say? And he says, that joker told me to go and wash in the dirty river, and I'll be clean. Why couldn't I go wash in a better, cleaner river and be clean? In other words, why couldn't I do it my own way? My way makes more sense to me. And the servant says, if Elisha would have told you to do something harder, wouldn't you have done it? How much more? There that phrase is again. If you weren't here last Sunday night, then you might not get that reference. But she says this, how much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? We do ourselves no favors when we decide that God's way of doing things is foolishness and our way is the best. We will continually miss out on miracles, healing, transformation. We will miss out on the plans that God has for us if we refuse to hear what God is saying and try it his way. After all, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And Naaman, after giving it some thought and being persuaded, did exactly what Elisha told him to do. Reluctantly, maybe, he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what he tells me to do. And it took some time for him to come around to it, but thankfully he came to his senses, and he dipped his diseased body in the Jordan River, not once, but seven times he took the plunge. And of course, 
I can imagine him watching each time that he did this, going down and uh, nothing's changed. Okay, let's do it again, going down. You'd think that you would see at least some progress by now. Going down again. And that, that sends a message to us that have continually prayed for something, the same thing for years and years. When we don't see the answer come about immediately, don't give up. Oh, I prayed, Lord. I prayed about it. Nothing happened. I didn't see your hand move. I didn't see anything take place. My prayer was not answered. Don't give up. Pray again. Pray again. God hears your prayers. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we just praise him for a moment? Hallelujah, Lord. I'm so thankful that you're the God of miracles. So thankful, Lord, that you hear us. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you hear every prayer that we pray. Every time we call out your name, you're as close as the mention of your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. And the servant says this to him, and, and these simple words that, that compel him to just go and, and do it. And then he winds up in the river, and he's, he's going through these seven times, totally unconventional. But how can you argue with the Word of God? And you know what happened? On the seventh time, when he came up out of the river the last time, he was completely healed. And Naaman learned something immediately from that. For a man of his stature to be humble, to humble himself and bathe in the Jordan, that's, that's a pretty radical departure from what he's known. But that's what desperation does. Naaman was open to that change. And that's step four. Be open to change. You have to because when God supernaturally intervenes, everything is going to change. When miracles happen, nothing stays the same. Old things pass away. Old things become new. Miracles have a way of changing our old habits, our old attitudes, our old lifestyles. One of the things that took place immediately for Naaman was his attitude toward worship. Naaman, where he came from. His whole concept of worship was dramatically changed for the better because he was accustomed to worshiping many gods. Naaman, he was a totally non-Jewish guy coming into this, again, outside looking in. And he's totally convinced that all other worship is in vain after this miracle. I haven't seen any of the gods that I worship do this. I haven't seen them respond to my prayers. I haven't seen them act on my behalf for my good. He proudly proclaims that there is only one God and that that was the God of Israel. Verse 15, Naaman says, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Except in Israel. Naaman's whole attitude in worship changed dramatically. And instead of worshiping many man-made gods, he was resolved to only worship the one true God, the God of miracles. Miracles do that to us, though. They change us. They change the way we live. They change the way we talk. They change the way that we walk. And so this is the last step. Look for the unexpected. 
God performs miracles his way, not our way. Did you catch that? He does it his way, not our way. God has this miracle working agenda, and it always doesn't, doesn't always work out the way that we think it's going to work. He wants to show his glory in all the earth through these earthen vessels. But the miracle that you're looking for may come in a way that you never thought. And it may come when you don't expect it. You can't manufacture them. God is not like a vending machine where you can deposit certain inputs, make a choice, get out a certain output. God is God and we are not. And sometimes he chooses to work in a way that we never thought humanly possible. Let me say it again. He is God. And if he chooses to do so, he can supernaturally intervene in the natural order of things and perform a miracle. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. I mean, who would have imagined that a dirty river could make a man clean? Not only was his leprosy healed and his skin restored, but he was healed of a far greater disease, his prideful spirit. And while the disease was ravaging its way from the outside in, God was changing him from the inside out. That wasn't really what he bargained for. He brought with him a fortune. Naaman would have gladly paid out the big bucks for his miracle. Some scholars say that Naaman had the equivalent of $1.5 million in silver and gold that he brought with him on caravans. And he was willing, not Dodge caravans, but he, he traveled with all of this possession because to him, anything in this world did not compare to being healed. Anything in this world that he had accumulated, anything in this world that he had attained could not compare to his healing. God changed him from the inside out. God, he wasn't interested in the money. You can't buy a miracle. You know, perhaps Naaman thought that he could. The Lord worked it out in a totally different way, and it didn't even cost him a dime. And what we learn from Naaman's story is that the greatest miracle is a changed life. You can read the miraculous accounts of God moving in Scripture, and you'll find in every case that it resulted in someone's life being changed. In the Bible, there is a litany of miracles from beginning to end. We can go through. Jesus performed miracle after miracle, and we can read about it. But in every case, there's the miracle, and then there's the miracle behind it. The miracle is not walking on water or feeding a hungry crowd or healing a terrible disease. The real miracle, the real miracle is the people that walked away from it changed. The real miracle is an adulterous woman walking away free from judgment. Walking away changed, go and sin no more. The miracle behind the miracle is the life change that results from it. God, he can juggle lightning bolts all day long. Give us a real showing if he wants to, but real miracles from the Lord have a different agenda. They change us. When God performs miracles, unexpected transformation happens, and we walk away 
with this awe of the Lord's mercy and grace for everything that he's done. If I could have the music come back. Look for the unexpected. Look for the unexpected. If you remember last Sunday morning, pastor spoke to us and referenced Jesus entering into the temple and reading from the book of Isaiah. It says this, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. On rolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. He has set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Everyone was watching his next move. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. As all eyes were on Jesus, he tells the crowd that this scripture is fulfilled. And then he pulls back a story from centuries ago about a man named Naaman. He says this, verse 25, verse 27, sorry. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed. Only Naaman the Syrian. There were many people who were living with the same type of illness that Naaman had, but the only one that was healed was not a Jew. It was a Gentile from Samaria. And at this, the people got upset because of everything that he had just said. They wanted to stone Jesus. They wanted to throw him off of a cliff. A Gentile that simply believed the word of the Lord and obeyed it. Who can get offended at the way the Lord does miracles? Who can get offended at the way that he decides to do things? He knows what's best. Listen to me today. God has come to proclaim freedom for those who are bound. Recovery of sight to the blind. He has come to set the oppressed free. Today is the acceptable year of the Lord. But just like Naaman, we have to be willing to step out by faith, act on God's word, and expect him. Come looking for the unexpected. If we could all stand. What made Naaman different from everyone else living with leprosy in his day was that he was willing to do whatever it takes to get to God. Nothing's going to hold me back. We sang about it here this morning. Ain't no rock going to take my place. The Bible talks about how if we withhold our worship, if we choose not to worship, if we don't give God praise, something is going to. Something will take our place in worship because He deserves it. The earth will begin crying out worship and praise to God if we don't exalt Him if we don't praise him. And so here this morning, as we sang that, we were singing, nothing's gonna take my place in worship. Nothing is gonna take my place before God. I'm not saying that the steps that Naaman took to get his miracle is a surefire way of receiving your miracle. All I know is that a man who was full of leprosy and was being eaten alive by his condition was made clean. That's all I know. All I know is that a man went into a dirty river and he came out clean. All I know is that he listened to the word of the Lord. He obeyed the word of the Lord. And he was willing to step out in faith and claim his miracle. How many of you here this morning 
have lived with a condition, have lived with a promise from the Lord that you have never acted on. He's told you that your healing was coming. He told you that your kids were going to be saved. He told you that he was going to reach into areas of your life and you haven't stepped out by faith and trusted him with it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Can we praise him one more time? Hallelujah, Lord. God, your word is alive. It's speaking to us here today. God, I thank you for name and story. It shows us, Lord, that doesn't matter where we come from, doesn't matter who we are, Jesus, you're interested, Lord, in showing your glory through our life. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray here today that your will will be done in each and every life here today. We open up ourselves to you. God, we come willingly before you, Jesus. Offer all that we are. Lay it at your feet and just ask, Lord, that you would have your way. Have your way, Jesus. You know what's best, God. You know what's best for our life. You know what's best for our situation. So we trust you with the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. As we sing here this morning, I'm, I'm going to open up this altar. Hallelujah, Jesus. Even if you don't need a miracle here this morning, I want you to step out and come to this altar and begin to testify of God's goodness in your life, the miracles that he's already performed. But if you do need a miracle here this morning, I'm inviting you to come. Step out by faith. Ask God to do what he sees fit. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you the praise. We give you the glory for all that you're about to do in this place. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your miracle work and power. You are the God of miracles. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.